Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. The first time I heard Carmen, I thought, wow, this woman's got a lot of energy for this early in the morning. I love her already. And then I was totally hooked. My relationship with Carmen is different because it feels very two-way. It's a two-way relationship. You know, when she says something on the radio, her people feel convicted to respond. I mean, she is able to invoke an amount of emotion because of her engagement and, and how raw she is. I mean, I'm talking back to my radio, which sounds crazy, but it's not uncommon. My husband will come, lean in to wherever I am, you know. If I'm in the bathroom brushing my teeth, and I come on, sister, give it to me. <laughs> He'll lean in and he'll go, seriously, honey? And like, she is just on point this morning. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. Hey, maybe you're like Kim and you talk back to me during the program. Guess what? I can hear you. Yeah, I. it's supposed to be a conversation. So thank you so much for the times that, um, you know, other people wonder who you're talking to because it doesn't seem like anybody else is there. Yes, I'm here. I love it that we're spending this time together. So thank you so much. If you'd like to participate in extending this ministry to more and more people, you can do that by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484, or you can always give online at MyFaithRadio.com. If you're listening on the Faith Radio app, there's a way to give right there as well. Again, thank you so much for the time that we spend together. And yeah, go ahead, talk back to me. I can hear you. You're listening to an encore presentation of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It is the 7th of March. It is Monday. I'm just reminding us throughout the day today that this is the day the Lord has made, um, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Even as we weep with those who weep, we are going to be people who acknowledge and recognize that God is great and God is good. We're thanking Him for protection and provision today. Um, And I just wanted to say at the outset this morning, Um, There's a four-year-old listening whose name is Tobias. And so, good morning, Tobias. I wanted to say good morning to you. I know that you are sitting there right now with your honey-flavored cereal, and your sweet mom um, is probably rejoicing right now with her cup of coffee, and I hope just delighting in the fact that you got a little shout-out. So you can tell your daddy again today that you were listening to Mrs. LaBerge. I know you like to say my name. I like to say it, too. So there you go. Tobias, we have something in common. Um. I uh, had the opportunity this weekend to spend time with many of you at the Set Apart Conference at the University of Northwestern, uh, St. Paul, and it was such a delight to meet you in person and to hear your stories and to know where um, where I am right now, you know, like in your bathroom or on the bus or driving to work or, yeah, serving breakfast to a four-year-old and a six-month-old. I love that. Thank you so much for including me in your day. 
It also reminds me, um, it makes me mindful, you know, of the language we use and the subject matter that we cover. And much of it today is very, very serious. And I recognize that. Um, As we talk about what's happening in Ukraine, let me go ahead and just kind of warn you of the images that are out there today. Um, So you just might want to be careful of having screens on today um, that little children can see because there are some um, very disturbing images uh, as the Russians have not resisted in um, protecting civilians. In fact, they have targeted them. So I will um, I will leave that at that. Uh, what are we, the United States, doing? Lots and lots of questions uh, saying, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, we have lots of very powerful sanctions in place. We are also supplying the Ukrainians with all kinds of humanitarian goods and with lethal weapons. We are actively supplying them with anti-aircraft and anti-tank missiles and we are now, uh, our, um, our diplomats are working out the details, but we are right now working out a plan with Poland that Poland would supply the Ukrainians with the kind of airplanes they know how to fly, which are fighter jets that were actually built by Russia. And then we would supply Poland with the replacement uh, jets from the United States or from elsewhere in the world, wherever we can get them. So there you go. That is what's going on today. Now here at home, Let me tell you what most people that I talk with are concerned about. One thing, the price of gas. Uh, AAA is reporting today that the national average of a gallon of regular gasoline has topped $4. $4 is the average across the country. A week ago, that number was $3.61. A month ago, $3.44. A year ago, $2.77. May make you wonder, well, hey, what's the highest price on record and are we getting close to it? Uh, Highest price on record is from the 17th of July, 2008, when gas uh, was $4.11 a gallon. People in California uh, dream about that because in California, regular gasoline is going today for $5.34 a gallon. Um, And so I think you're going to hear a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot uh, about what we're going to do to bring the price of gas down. You are going to hear um, action on the request by 25 states across the country um, for America to return to energy independence. You are going to um, hear from 25 different governors asking the federal government to remove bans on new oil and gas development on federal lands. You're going to ask them, uh, you're going to hear them ask that uh, the federal government would restart the Keystone XL pipeline, reinstate regulatory reforms that streamlined energy uh, permits, I mean, on and on and on and on. And specifically, you are going to hear lots of people demanding we stop buying Russian oil. But if we stop buying Russian oil, let me tell you which direction the price of gas goes. It goes up, not down. And so we are going to have to, for some period of time, live with higher gas prices. Let me just go ahead and say that. That'll be, you know, Carmen's prediction on this Monday morning. For some period of time, we're going to have to learn to live with higher gas prices. How high? I don't know the answer to that question. But I can tell you that the even if the Keystone XL pipeline is restarted, it's only 10 percent built. So we got to build the thing out before we could begin using it. Um, it does have massive capacity, um, which would bring uh, oil from Canada to the Gulf Coast, uh, to refineries there. And then, um, you know, we could turn around and, and pump it out to the rest of the country and even around the world and become an oil exporter instead of a net importer. All right, um, that's going on here in the United States and around the world. We are going to turn our attention intentionally to Ukraine. 
Jenny Lind Schmidt is a European correspondent for World News Group. She joins us next. Joining us now, Jenny Lynn Schmidt. She is a European correspondent for World News Group. Jenny, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Tell us uh, tell us where you are and what you're covering. Well, I am back in Switzerland now. I'm based in Switzerland, but I had the opportunity um, this at the end of last week on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I was in Poland um, in Krakow. I flew into Krakow and then went out to um, the border. Um, Medikia is the town on the border. And then I was in a city a little further away because I wanted to go and see for myself and for world's readers and listeners what exactly is going on there. So we'd love for you to take us there. Tell us a story of who you met, what you saw. Oh, I will tell you. So I, uh, we drove, it's about, um, it's about three hours out to the border, and I had a driver who took me. Um, he's Russian originally, and he moved to Poland. He's a believer, and he moved to Poland a few years ago, and that was really interesting. That's kind of a side note, but it was really interesting to have just his thoughts and perspective as we as we drove out there. Driving on the freeway on this three-hour road on the other side, we're driving east, driving west, bus load, you know, the big coach buses, like, you mm-hmm. know, like big travel mm-hmm. company buses, bus after bus, after bus, after bus, looking across filled with people and knowing like, oh, wow, these are people leaving Ukraine. And then on our side of the freeway, there was bus after bus uh, filled with blankets, sleeping bags, you know, you're kind of trying to look in the windows as they're going by. Um, and supplies to take into Ukraine. So when we got out to uh, the border, um, I stopped and was able to talk to someone at the refugee center. Poland has done an amazing job. They set up uh, 27 refugee centers in a week. They set all this up. You can tell it's still kind of, they just, they got going and got it put together, but really amazing that they were able to do this as places for when those refugees, you know, they come across the border either in their cars or on the train or on foot. Um, And then they have a place to come. They get one of the first things they get is a SIM card so they can put in a new SIM card, be connected to the Polish system and then keep in track with people that are back in Ukraine or family where they're going to going on to. And then they have a place to rest, eat, sleep a little bit before they go to wherever they're going. And that's a, that's another conversation. But but when we got up to the border, we was able actually to get pretty close to the border crossing. And there's just a huge long line of cars, trucks, um, buses filled with stuff, supplies. I saw a, one group of men um, busily loading stuff into um, from one car to another to take across the border because they're just running out of food and basic medical supplies, diapers, stuff that kind of the everyday usage stuff in these zones that are cut off by fighting. And because other parts of Ukraine, they 
um, they haven't been able to have normal deliveries, right? So there's fewer and fewer things of food on the shelves. And so there's a people and for the most part till now it's, it's private citizens that, or they know somebody in Ukraine and, and ministries, um, just getting stuff to go across. And then on the other side, just, as I said, buses of, of people coming West and those are for the most part, uh, moms, women with kids, uh, men of fighting age from, from 18 to 60 are no longer allowed to leave Ukraine. Uh, Ukrainian citizens, I need to specify, are not leaving Ukraine because they are called up to fight. So a lot of, of women with kids, some small kids, and in the refugee centers, and then um, afterwards in, in Krakow at the airport, um, a lot of moms with kids, families with, you know, they're holding plushy toys and they have one little suitcase and that's what they've had to leave with. Um, I had the opportunity to speak with a woman. We met, she had, uh, her name was Anastasia and she had left with her three-year-old daughter. She's from a city north of Kyiv um, and she left on Thursday. The invasion started on Thursday, I believe it was on Friday. And for she, like most people that I spoke to and the stories I've heard, most people thought, oh, yeah, there's going to be something, but it'll be to the far east. They really felt safe in the center of the country. And so the fact that, you know, she thought, oh, okay, you know, this is, there's an invasion happening, but she started hearing about shelling in a residential area of her city and thought, I need to leave. So she left, she drove, she drove to a friend's house in the country and thought she would stay there for a while and then heard about military movements in that area. So kept going where someone, she knew she had family near Chernobyl, she could stay with them. But then there were supplies of gas. There's not a lot of, they're running out of supplies of gas in the center of the country. So she ended up taking a train and got as far as leave. And then from there, a friend of hers was able to borrow a car and drove her to the border where she crossed on foot. So I saw her on the side of the road with her three-year-old daughter and a little backpack. And she said, yeah, this is what I asked her, what's in your backpack? She goes, uh, I have my laptop for work. She's a recruiter for an international I, um, recruiting firm for the IT sector. Um, and so she has her computer, she had a blanket, a little bit of clothes for her and her daughter, some food, which she said most of her food she forgot in the chaos somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and she she has a friend she was going to go to, she was going to meet a friend. We ended up offering a ride and we're able to do that and give her a ride. But, you know, can you imagine? She's like, okay, stranger along the side of the road, but just, um, and she's, was really strong. I could tell she was being very strong for her daughter, but her mother is, was currently visiting a brother in Russia. These two countries, mm. it's like, it's like, yeah, it's a lot family. Like it was in Canada. It's back and yeah. forth. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. um, Wait, Jenny, we have to take her. a, She's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yep. No, that's okay. We just need to take a very, very brief break and come right back to this conversation. I know everybody is hungry for more. Jenny Lynn Schmidt is a European correspondent for World News Group. She's just returned um, from Poland, and she's reporting to us today from Switzerland. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio.
We're praying today that um, the third offer of a ceasefire and uh, humanitarian corridors for refugees to leave particular cities in Ukraine, um, we're praying that that would be upheld today by the Russians. Um, Earlier ceasefires have not held as the Russians have targeted civilians um, as they were seeking to leave. We're talking right now with Jenny Lynn Schmidt. She is a European correspondent for World News Group. She's just returned from Poland, where she had the opportunity to meet people fleeing from Ukraine, as well as those who are hosting them. So, Jenny Lynn, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm sure you have other stories. I, I am reading headlines where news media um, have been targeted. We, uh, we've, we've seen video of a Sky News crew that was targeted and then you know shot by um, Russian soldiers. We're seeing reports that the Russian people are not any longer getting the news as there's a new media law in Russia. I'm just wondering, as a member of the journalistic community, um, what are you seeing that sort of stands out to you in terms of efforts to cover the story? Well, I most of all, this this whole situation has underlined to me again the importance of media, of reliable media, um, and paying attention. Um, I had opportunity to talk to, as I said, some Russians um, in Poland, and talking about what you know, what is going on in Russia that um, that people don't know, and. They just, he talked about just the propaganda that's being forced out. The, the media is controlled completely by the government. And independent, there is independent efforts. A lot of those are, are have been squashed largely in the past couple of years. Um, so I think there is a desire. But he also talked about the, a lot of the older generation get uh, news from the television that is controlled um, and and maybe don't make it the effort that they should. Um, he said the younger generation are easily distracted by entertainment um, and, and don't really pay attention that they should or kind of were lulled into indifference until suddenly mm-hmm. it's too late. And I was really struck by that, thinking how easy it is to just kind of write it off. Sometimes the news is complicated and to follow and pay attention. And I think there's a balance because we can we can fall into the trap of, of the 24-hour news cycle that can be wearing down. And I, you know, as Christians, we need to know the news, follow the news, but read the newspaper or the, the internet or listen to your show with our Bibles open as well. Um, and to have that perspective, that eternal perspective, that it's, it is discouraging to read the news, but we know who's in control. So what is God doing here in this situation? And what is the tiny little part that he wants me to do personally? So helpful. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here um, on this program each and every day. So um, I'm guessing that you have given some thought to that in relationship to what you experienced in Poland, the people you met, and the things you see happening. You know, how do you, as a believer, bring the Scripture to bear on um, on what you're experiencing and seeing and hearing? Well, I think, you know, we, uh, some of the huge swaths of, of the political scheme, you know, I don't, I, I think we need to be involved citizens and to know what's going on and to uh, 
share with our congressmen and our senators, our elected officials, what you know, what we see as as um, important to us, but bringing it back down. Um, you know, I, as a believer, I am called to help the homeless, the widows and orphans. Okay, the women leaving now, some of them are not widows, but some of them will be soon. And so what does that look like? I cannot save all the Russian, or excuse me, I cannot save all the Ukrainian refugees fleeing, but maybe I can save one or help one, not save. Um, but yesterday, um, I, I live very close to the border with France and the region of Switzerland where I am. So I attend a French church. And so yesterday I had the opportunity just to, to share with my church what um, what is going on. And I think, I'm sure for a lot, well, a lot of us, even here in Switzerland, France, it's, it's, it's very much on everyone's mind. And yet it's still kind of distant. And I wanted to just share, like, this is not that far away. And Poland has done an amazing job of taking in, uh, well, a couple of days ago, it was 500,000 refugees. I think that's gone up now. You know, it was a million refugees had left. Now I think it's like a million and a half. The a number in the short amount of time is just mind boggling. And other countries, another half million have taken in. But, and it's amazing, but that is just the beginning. That mm-hmm. is just the beginning. And it's been kind of stunning to see how the European Union, which often drags its feet on a lot of things, has pretty much cut the red tape and said, come, just come, we'll figure it out later. Um, and so just I have the opportunity to um, to share about some of the efforts that are going on and some reputable ministries that are bringing in supplies, but also ask people to pray that what God he might um, be calling them to do individually. Maybe there's someone who has space that they can open mm-hmm. their home. And the thing is, is nobody knows for how long this is, right? The conflict is still going right. on. Um, and this we've, morning we had a call from someone who wants to, who has an idea. So that's, um, it was really encouraging. I love that. I love that. Um, we're going to have to leave this conversation right here. I'm hoping you will join us again. I would love to. Thank you so much um, for having me again. Absolutely. You guys can read what Jenny is writing and posting at WNG. That stands for World News Group, WNG.org. You can follow her on Twitter. Um, right now on her Twitter feed, there is a video of a Russian POW that is pretty extraordinary. I encourage you to watch it um, and to read the translation. Um, you you will be encouraged and inspired. You can also find her at Jenny Lind Schmidt. S-C-H-M-I-T-T dot com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. calling this the Mornings with Carmen Learning Community. The research department has been on it. And apparently paywalls don't matter if you have a public library account. You log on to your public library account. This is um, this is from Jacqueline and from Jill. Mary has also uh, alerted me of the same thing here. Log on to your library account, and then you're able to access the library's subscribed content. And many public libraries provide access to a collection of newspapers and magazines along with books and materials and databases. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? 
All right. Well, apparently a lot of you knew and I didn't know. So there you go. Um, in today's game of who knew, you knew and I didn't know. Apparently to get around paywalls, uh, get a public library account and log on through your public library account to um, access the resources that would otherwise be behind a paywall. That is so super cool. I, I, I feel like it's like some of the most incredible learning I've done lately. <clears throat> so thank you for that. Um, Ukraine. Ukraine is top of heart, top of mind, top of the prayer list, top of concern um, for so many of us. And so we want to continue to bring you people who are actively engaged in ministry in Ukraine with Ukrainians on behalf of Ukrainian refugees. And so today we are going to introduce uh, you to the Shepherds Foundation, shepherdsfoundation.org. Um, Marshall Wade, who is um, who's actually a physician, a doctor um, in, uh, in, in Maplewood. Um, he's been in private practice there for a number of years. He's been teaching dental groups um, across Ukraine um, how to do some things that obviously he knows how to do and sharing those skills abroad. He's also engaged in a ministry related to orphans. Um, he is the chairman of the board of the Shepherds Foundation, and he is going to join us along with Vitaly Sobko, who is in Ukraine, um, and we are going to talk about what is going on. So all of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Marshall Wade um, is a an oral surgeon. Um, he's taught dental groups across the country and in Ukraine. He is the director of True North Professional Studies, um, which is a continuing education group for dentists and dental specialists. He joins us today in his capacity as chairman of the board of Shepherds Foundation, through which he has served to advance the gospel in Ukraine through dental surgery and care missions and served orphans in Ukraine in some very special ways as well. Also joining us, Vitaly Subko, Executive Director of Shepherds Foundation in Ukraine and Camp Maximum. Gentlemen, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. Good. Well, Vitaly, good afternoon. Um, it's probably the middle of the afternoon where you are, correct? Yeah, that's uh, 3.30 p.m. in Ukraine. Could you give us a sense, Vitaly, of, um, of what's happening today in your life? Um. Well, it's, it seems like one long day that never ends. Um, we, we have good spirit. We're tired. Um, right now, everyone is trying to do whatever they can to support uh, each other and support our military. We're defending the nation. Um, so it's a, a lot of people being evacuated uh, from the war zone uh, to the West and uh, a lot about finding humanitarian aid that we can purchase or get and uh, sending them back to the people who are uh, captured in the basements. So uh, in short, that's pretty much what's going on at, at the moment. Well, please know that we're not only praying for you, we are actively seeking to support um, support those efforts to fund um organizations like yours that are then delivering humanitarian aid back into places and spaces where people are trapped, um, as well as all of the things that you all are doing to get vulnerable people, including children, out of the country. So, Marshall, I'm wondering if you can address if you can address that. What do you feel like we need to know um, about people who are leaving Ukraine and the challenges 
um, particularly of of children, orphans, and those who are disabled um, today? I think, Carmen, the biggest thing that we as Americans need to process is we it's it's very hard to understand right now what what they're going through in Ukraine. Uh, we can watch uh, the reports on TV and we get some uh, sense of what's happening, but we're still so far away from it. Uh, in my discussions with Vitaly, and, and he can certainly chime in as well, um, the the devastation, the hopelessness of the people that have lost everything, the trauma to the the children uh, who should just be in in school, uh, but are having to face uh, going to bomb shelters and and concern for their lives and their parents' lives, the the overall trauma that the that the people are undergoing, I think, is is going to last for generations, and at least in the United States where. Uh, things are good and we go to our jobs and and we have plenty of food intellectually i think we can appreciate that but i think even more and more we need to to let that hit our hearts Mm -hmm. yeah vitaly um tell us a story because you have um i know colleagues friends members of your own family tell us um tell us a story about you know some efforts that you're aware of maybe to evacuate um, children or um, or things happening today through your ministry to supply for the needs of those who, as you describe, are hiding in basements or um, or hiding in um, in in the underground uh, train depots across the country. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there are so many stories that we can share, both the horror stories and the joy stories. Um, yeah, some something as of recent, we had uh, a family being evacuated out of Kharkiv. And uh, that's a family uh, with a grandpa who who had a stroke before the war started. He's like 80, 84, 85 years old. He's a recognized economist of Ukraine, awarded the national award. Um, All right. Um, I think we momentarily lost uh, the connection with Vitaly. Um, We're talking with... uh, with Dr. Wade Marshall, uh, Marshall Wade, um, and we are talking with Vitaly Sobko. We'll work to reconnect with him. Um, uh, Wade, maybe you can pick up, um, Dr. Wade, maybe you can pick up where Vitaly uh, dropped off and, you know, just the stories that are, uh, that you're aware of um, in terms of evacuation of precious people. Sure, absolutely. Um I think one of the things that Vitaly was going to talk about is the fact that we have uh, evacuated many people with various disabilities. Uh, if, as you can imagine, it's it's bad enough to be in a combat zone uh, when you're of good health, but imagine being a, a cerebral palsy child in a wheelchair, or as he was talking about a, a, an elderly gentleman who's had a stroke. Um, I know that our drivers, uh, and I do believe that that this is a, at least a similar story in Kharkiv, uh, actually went up several flights of stairs to uh, bring down various disabled people, um, special needs kids, uh, just to get them into the evacuation vehicles. Uh, and, of course, all of this um, under under concern of uh, sniper fire and and artillery bombings and and uh, all those kinds of different things, the the drivers that are going into these areas are absolutely courageous. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we have Vitaly back. back. 
Yeah, you're back. Yeah. Welcome back. Excellent. Sorry, the the internet connection is uh, sporadic. Yeah. So um, one one of the uh, stories I can think of is when I received a call from uh, one of our friends who was asking for a director of a special institution for mentally disabled uh, children. So that was out of Zhytomyr, which is uh, near Kiev, uh, about an hour drive. And so director with just a couple of social workers were trapped in their school with about 70 kids who couldn't care about themselves and needed evacuation. And uh, the, uh, the city was shelled at that moment. And uh, it took us all a lot of effort to just arrange transportation for them uh, and just find volunteers who were able to take those people out. And it's just, it's just one of the examples of what's going on and how all of us have to react just to make sure that we bring people to, to safety. And when we get to the Western border, it's it's another difficulty, especially for people with disabilities, uh, because they need specialized care. They cannot go through the sorting centers uh, like the Red Cross tents. Uh, and uh, they can, but uh, ideally we, we work hard to make sure that there is someone on the European side uh, who is going to provide individual care and take them to a specialized institution providing medical support they need. Um, so, yeah, Vitaly, we, uh, I want yeah. so can can I pause you there? Because there's a reason that you're so good at this and your organization is so good at this. Um, these are children and families with whom you are already connected. Tell us um, about Camp Maximum and what you would be doing right now in preparation for summer camps um, where they're not a war in Ukraine. Well, uh, thank you for asking about that. You know, as uh, as I was thinking about our camp uh, and reading the Bible last night, uh, I read Proverbs 19.21, and it, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And uh, we never expected the war to happen, and we were uh, just finished our fundraiser campaign to build a new dining and uh, kitchen facility for our camp. We were all tuned in to do summer programs, international basketball camps, uh, special needs programs, and other youth programs for kids from all over Ukraine. Um, and uh, as a camp, uh, we're just uh, six years old. We started building a Christian camp from scratch in central Ukraine, just two hours south of Kiev. Um, and the roots come out of the Shepherds Foundation ministry in Ukraine that dates back 30 years ago uh, when um, the first groups of um, missionaries uh, arrived in Ukraine, Paul and Linda Wickland, uh, Marshall Wade and their team over the years continued to support Ukraine in different uh, humanitarian aid missions, uh, adventure camps, uh, dental work, orphanages. There were like so many, so many projects that were realized. And me personally, I'm a kid that uh, was raised on this mission work. Back when the first trips happened, I was just seven years old. And I remember when Ukraine was a young nation, uh, we got independent in 1991. The first adventure camp happened in 1993, and I was seven back then. And as you can imagine, for a young nation, uh, we were really poor. 
uh, and just starting. So those were the brightest memories of my life that I still cherish. And now uh, looking at where we are, as a camp, we, um, we completely changed what we do. Uh, we had 126 beds. We now are fit to host uh, up to 200 refugees in transit from the eastern and northern areas that are most affected by war and child every day uh, to help people transit to the west into safety. We feed them. Uh, we, uh, we provide um, them with clothing, with hygiene essentials, with Medicare. We just uh, have uh, our team available to play with the kids and distract them for what's going on, uh, what just recently happened in their lives. So our people do English with them. Uh, we connected them to online uh, teaching and so on. And we can really tell that they are hurting. Yeah, you know, they arrive in the middle of the night, the hands are shaking, they're staring into the walls, uh, trying to figure out what the next step shall be. And so for now, our camp is that safe place. And we we try to maximize the care and attention to very little details to make sure that they are in comfort and they find uh, themselves uh, uh, get, get uh, revived and are ready to make the next step into uncertainty. Many of these people come uh, with their homes lost. So, uh, frankly, they sit there and they're trying to find help uh, because, well, their home was just destroyed and it's a a new normal for them and they they need to figure out where to go next. We're talking with Vitaly Sobko. You can connect with him at Maximum.Camp. We're also talking with Marshall Wade. They are both uh, associated and affiliated with shepherdsfoundation.org, O-R-G, shepherdsfoundation.org. Um, Vitaly and uh, Camp Maximum are now sheltering internally displaced people in Ukraine. Um, Shepherds Foundation is also ministering to refugees, particularly children with special needs, um, who have been evacuated from Ukraine, and they've been a part of that process and ongoing effort to serve them as refugees outside the country. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. We are um, spending time today with Dr. Marshall Wade and with Vitaly Sobko, they are with an organization called Shepherds Foundation. You can find them at shepherdsfoundation.org. Lots of news articles there about um, their efforts in Ukraine. Um, Marshall, I'm wondering if you can just spend a minute telling us um, why you are engaged in Ukraine um, and, and where your heart is in all of this today. Oh, thanks for asking. Um uh, as Vitaly was saying, uh, uh, our first camps uh, opened in about 1993, and my first trip to Ukraine was in 1994, and it was a very direct, um, uh, quote, God thing that we'll say. Uh, I was uh, sitting in church and listening to a wonderful uh, Ukrainian evangelist, Viktor Brunitsky, speak about the needs of this new nation and uh, I'd been thinking about uh, going to some mission field. And so I just sat there praying and I said, Lord, if you want me to go there, 
then you need to break my heart so completely that um, I actually have no question. And that's what happened. I just really started to weep sitting there in the front row of the church, which was pretty embarrassing. Uh, but it was very clear to me that God wanted me to go to uh, Ukraine. Uh, once I, I got there, I found that those people um, are just the same as we are. Uh, they want to have a, a good life for themselves and a better life for their children. And as an oral surgeon, uh, there were many dental needs uh, that we, we could meet uh, in conjunction working with our, our colleagues in Ukraine. So uh, over all of those years, uh, we just developed these deep and lasting friendships. And uh, it's really just uh, my my second country, I guess you'd say. Mm. Um, And talk with us about the fellowship of Christians, you know, over, I mean, we, we tend to use language like these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, but for you, that's a reality. Yeah, for sure. Um, Gosh, how, how, how would we even describe that in the twin cities, Carmen? How, uh, how would we describe our friends um, that are in various churches, solid Christian people who are devoting their lives to Christ. Well, it's the same thing in in uh, Zolotonosha, Ukraine is is where we go. And uh, the exciting thing has been that when we first went, there was one Baptist church, and uh, it was our sister church from uh, what was then uh, Calvary Baptist, now just Calvary Church in Roseville. Uh, but now Vitaly could actually answer. I think there's at least five very strong um evangelical churches uh, in this uh, town of Zolotonosha, which is 30,000 people. So that brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ is, is really just the same as it, as it is uh, on our side of the ocean. Um, people who, who, and even more so now, are serving Christ in the very best way they know how day after day and ministering to those people around them. I just love it. It's such a um, powerful uh, witness, and I just feel so privileged um, to to be talking with both of you today. Um, Vitaly, I would like for you to um, pray in um, in your heart language for the situation where you are. Um, we will acknowledge that God is translating those prayers um, by the power of His Holy Spirit. Um, but I um, I want you to pray, and then I would like to pray for you um, and and what is happening today. Would that be okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, Vitaly Sobko, and um, we're gonna we're gonna listen in as he lifts up the concerns of his family and his community, his people, and his nation before the Lord our God. Yeah. Uh, can I do that in Ukrainian or? Uh, please. Can I please. Yeah. yeah. Please Thank in you. Ukrainian. Please. Боже наш, ти милостивий, ти люблячий Бог, який турбується про Україну. Я вдячний за цю можливість розповідати народу Америки про те, що ми переживаємо, з чим ми стикаємось. Зараз я молюсь за нашу країну, за наше керівництво, за нашого президента, за людей, за владу, за кожну родину, яка стикнулася з цим злом. Молюсь за перемогу. Пошли на мир в нашу країну, допоможи їй відновити її в наших кордонах. Пошли нам впевненість в майбутньому, в тому, що ми можемо з гордістю жити в Україні, щоб нам не потрібно було нікуди їхати, щоб ми могли будувати наше майбутнє з тобою тут, Господь. Щоб ми могли бути тим 
тим світлом, тією сілею, Господь, для інших народів з нашої землі. Я вдячний тобі за, за все, що ми маємо, вдячний за ту міжнародну підтримку, Господь, і прошу, пошли нам перемогу, і пошли нам мир, Господь, і зупини агресора. Молю за все ім'я Ісуса Христа. Амінь. Um, the ministry uh, happening right now with precious people on the campus of what was a camp and has now become a home. And we simply ask, Father, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, all the resources that are necessary for the accomplishing of your will in and through them this day. We ask for your comfort. We ask for your grace. We recognize it's all sufficient. But, Father, these are precious people with very real needs. And so prick the hearts of those listening right now to bring forth the resources within our reach that we might supply for the needs of others. Help us learn, Father, to live more simply that other people might simply live today. Thank you so much for um, Dr. Wade and for the ministry um, of the Shepherds Foundation. We ask a blessing upon them, Father, and we ask that you would open to all of us a vision of the future filled with hope that you have planned. We, We set ourselves as instruments in your hands, but Father, we ask for a fresh outpouring of your grace this day on the people of Ukraine. Um, grant peace, Father. Grant peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Vitaly and Marshall, thank you. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to direct people again uh, to the Shepherds Foundation, shepherdsfoundation.org. If you're like me, you also want to ca- check out Camp Maximum, and Google will supply you a way to um, translate everything on the site into English. So if it comes up in Ukrainian, which it will, um, just hit that little Google Translate button, and you can uh, you can read the stories there as well. Um, Marshall and and Vitaly, thank you so much. What a blessing! Thank, thank you, you, Carmen. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, all right, friends, we got to take one more brief break, and then we'll be back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. You got me singing like. Okay, apparently sometimes I use words that um, that require translation. So thank you to Donald who texted in. Hey, um, you keep using the word fodder. I had to look it up. I'm a city slicker. Um, yeah, fodder is just something to chew on. It's something you give animals to chew on on the farm. And so um, when I talk about fodder for uh, thought or fodder for conversation, I'm literally giving us something to think about and to chew on. So there you go. Hopefully um, we have provided that today. Positive, faithful uh, fodder for your conversations today, your prayer life. Um, That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing here every single day. Thank you for helping make it happen. Have a great day and God bless. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.